You're listening to the Creating a Brand Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Sanfilippo, and I could not be more excited about today's interview. My guest today is the man behind the website, theblindblogger.net. My guest's name is Maxwell Ivy. Yes, that's right. He is The Blind Blogger. He is so, so inspirational. He's had a huge role in my life. I actually first met Maxwell at a conference that he was speaking at. I was sitting in the room and I heard him speak and he spoke in a way that was just so inspiring and encouraging and had so much truth and weight behind it. I knew that we had to have him on this podcast. I feel like I stopped listening a few minutes into his talk. I'm like, how am I going to get this guy to agree to come on the podcast? What am I going to do? So anyway, I did listen. I paid attention. It was a great talk. He was talking about the difference between independence and interdependence. And that's what we get into in this episode. But he agreed to come on the podcast right after he was done speaking. I asked him and he said he would definitely do that. I knew from the moment that I met this guy that this podcast episode was going to be inspiring and it's just so powerful. So get ready to laugh, get ready to cry. Let's hear some of the wisdom from my good friend, Maxwell Ivy. Max, glad to be with you today. Well, Alex, I'm really glad to be with you today. It's amazing that we were able to meet at PodFest and become such good friends. And now here we are going to have a conversation And hopefully we're going to inspire some people to go out there and take action and build their own brands. Absolutely. That's the idea, right? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you know, I'd never met you before, never heard of you before, and you were one of the speakers at PodFest. And I really, really enjoyed your talk. I came up to you afterwards. We talked about it and all that. Kind of went fanboy for a minute there because I love the topic (laughs) covered so much, which we'll get into in a couple minutes. You shared a little bit of your story, your background, just your life there at PodFest. Granted, you didn't have a ton of time to focus on that, but we have a little bit more time here. So I actually wanted to just kind of hear your story, your journey leading up to really where you are today and how that relates to what we're going to talk about. Sure. First, I can't tell you how happy it makes me to know that I had somebody have a fanboy moment as an author and a podcaster. Those are the kind of things you dream about, but you hardly ever get to hear about, especially not from the point of view of the person who had the moment. So I appreciate you sharing that with me. Oh, absolutely. I understand that I have that effect on a lot of people, but most people don't tell me. And that's something a lot of bloggers and podcasters have to learn is that you can have a big impact on people's lives. That doesn't necessarily mean they're going to call you up or send you an email and tell you, hey, you changed my life. It doesn't happen that often. So thank you. To our listeners, if you've ever had that moment happen, seriously, reach out to those people. It makes a huge difference. I know the few times it's happened for me as well. It's like, man, that's motivation to keep on going. And who knows where that writer or that author is at or who is producing the videos, if they might be in a point where they're kind of like, man, is this even worth it? Is anyone even hearing me? But when someone reaches out, it makes it worth it. Yeah, I'm glad you stopped me there. As far as my personal story, I am a totally blind man now. I'm from a family of carnival owners from East Texas. At an early age, about four or five years old, they started noticing that I was running into things and falling down more than the rest of the kids in the family. So they had me tested, and it turned out I had something called retinitis pigmentosa, or RP, which a lot of people are familiar with nowadays. But back then, there were probably a handful of doctors in the whole country who knew what it was or who could test for it and not decide it was something else. The important thing that the listeners need to know about RP is it's a hereditary disease that slowly causes the loss of your vision through the deterioration of the retina. Hmm. It results in loss of vision as far as colors, shapes, peripheral vision, night vision, and it can eventually cause total vision loss, although the vision doesn't go black. When a person loses the retina completely, their vision goes white because it's kind of like an old school camera, 
where the film has been exposed. If for anybody who has an old style or still uses a traditional camera with film in it, if that film got accidentally exposed, you'd have nothing but white pages. That's kind of what happens with the retina. So oh, wow. at an early age, I knew that at some point I was going to lose part, if not all of my vision. And so from an early age, people were like, you know, Max, don't ever be afraid to ask for help. Don't ever be afraid to ask questions. There's no such thing as a dumb question. And if you ask, there are going to be lots of people out there who are going to be willing to help you. But if you don't ask, they can't guess. Most people are not mind readers. Most people don't have enough interest in you as a person to try to figure out what it is you need if you don't ask them. So growing up, I think I had this big advantage in that I did not have the usual fear that most people do about sticking my hand up and asking a question. Personally, I think it's one of the big advantages of my blindness is that I have this total freedom to ask pretty much anything I want from, mm -hmm. can you tell me how to do something with my website to, can you tell me how to get to the bus to, hey, can I come on your national radio show and talk about my business? Because it's, <laughs> right. I like to tell people I'm not smart enough to be scared. It's just the freedom that comes from knowing there's no shame in asking for help. Since you were at PodFest, you know my favorite pet line in this area. It's, if you refuse to ask, you rob the other person of the joy they would have received from helping you. And yeah, I love that. I love it, too. And the people even had to explain to me why it's so good. And the reason it's so good is because it takes the focus off of the person and puts it on the other person. It mm -hmm. takes the ego completely out of the equation. And most people, when they stop thinking about themselves and start thinking about other people or the world at large, they can get past these blocks that they have. The other thing that I learned from losing my vision over the years is that since my vision didn't go away all at once, I was continually having to adapt to my level of vision. For example, I have gone from regular books to large type books to having to learn Braille to getting most of my books in audio. And even that has changed, gone from record albums to cassette tapes to now digital audio downloads from the Library of Congress. Every time I thought my situation had pretty much stabilized, it would change, and I would have to learn new skills mm -hmm. and adapt to my new level of vision. And thankfully, I had teachers and family members who did their best to make those transitions interesting, if not fun, because some of those things were never fun, but with a good teacher, sometimes they can be interesting. And one of mm -hmm. my favorite memories is when I was learning how to use my white cane, once or twice a week, I would get to get out of the second half of the day of classes and go learn how to cross streets and ride buses and navigate the airport back when it was one terminal. It was like, yeah, I'm getting out of school. Yeah, I've got to learn to use this white cane. Yeah, my vision is going. Yeah, there are a lot of things that I'm not enjoying, but this is okay. People ask me about the vision loss, and one of my favorite jokes is I say, you know, when you're a blind person and you go to the beach you can't see the women in the bikinis, but you also can't see the women who shouldn't be wearing bikinis. <laughs> That's good. Max, I got to say, I love your positivity. That's one of the things that I think has really drawn me to, you know, I think a lot of people that are business owners, you're very positive about no matter what stage of life you seem to be in, no matter what is kind of thrown at you, you're positive about it. And you've taken different things and experiences you've had in your life, and you've turned them into skills that you're able to teach other people and help other people with. And I absolutely love that. I want to go back to the kind of the first thing we were just talking about there. I call it interdependence, where you're working with people and you're asking for help. Because I think that a lot of us, myself included at times, younger entrepreneurs in the world right now, we want to be independent. 
And we don't even understand this concept of interdependence. That might be a new word I just shared with some people there, but it's something that you understand. And I wanted you to really talk to our audience about that because again, a lot of us, we want something for ourselves. We want to build it. We want it to be us, but you're never going to go as far alone. Am I right in saying that? You're absolutely right. And I agree with you. The term interdependence is a relatively new term. The first time I heard this conversation about independence and interdependence, you know, whether try to do it all yourself, it's a conversation that comes up in the visually impaired community a lot. And I'm sure it comes up in other groups of people with disabilities. And that is the aggressively independent person who is so focused on doing everything themselves that even if you try to help them, you're going to get your head bit off Mm -hmm. versus the people who want everything done for them. There's a big balancing act in there. But the first time I heard this discussed was by a guy named Tom Sullivan, who's a filmmaker, entertainer, performer, musician who happens to be blind. If he ever met me, he would probably take offense with my being called the blind blogger. But hey, I didn't pick the name. Somebody else picked it and it stuck. But he started talking in a book he called Hearing Lessons, Things I Learned in the Dark. The whole point is, When you try to do everything yourself, several things happen and most of them are bad. One, if you don't get success right away, if you don't start to see real progress from your work right away, there's burnout. You feel like, Mm -hmm. well, I've tried it. It isn't working. I'm probably not meant to be a blogger. I'm not meant to be an author. So that's one of the real big drawbacks to trying to do it all by yourself is it's great when you succeed, but when you fail, it's all on you. It's kind of like being the quarterback. When an NFL team wins, it's all the quarterback's doing. If When they lose, it's all his fault. And that's the way it is when you're trying to do this all by yourself. Another thing is it's so much more fun when you let other people help. When Mm -hmm. you build a community, whether it's online, in person, or a combination of both, it is so much more enjoyable. You have people who can support you, encourage you, kick you in the butt when you need it. You know, you've got people you can encourage and motivate. You have this exchange of energy, which is something you just really can't buy when you're an entrepreneur, because there are so many things you have to do in order to accomplish that goal you're going after, that if you try to do it yourself, it's like, man, there's just so much work. How do I do this all? Oh, yeah, it's overwhelming. Oh, yeah, it is. It's very overwhelming. And overwhelm is one of the big problems a lot of people have. They do what people tell them to do. They make a list of all the stuff they'll need to know or do or have to get to a certain goal. And the longer the list gets, the more they're like, I'll never accomplish this. Why even try kind of thing? So I definitely believe we can accomplish more by ourselves, especially the hard things. They're more fun when we ask other people to help. Also, when you do succeed, it's nice to have some people to applaud. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. That might be the ego thing. Some people would prefer it just being them, right? I think a lot of people kind of get into that mindset of this is me. I built it. And I want to be kind of like the center of attention. I'm not saying that our listeners are like that, but I have met a handful of people that way. But really, it's kind of almost sad to see because there's so much more to be said about a community, like you're saying, or a group of people that are doing something together, changing the world. I mean, life is about community. Life is about doing things together. Right. We have the famous example, it takes a village to raise a child. People apply that to parenting, but it applies to so much more. If you think about it, it hasn't been that perspectively. It hasn't been that long ago. People were living in tribes and families, and it was all about your community. It wasn't about individuals. But nowadays, it's like, if I can't do it myself, I don't want to do it for some people. Thankfully, it seems like we're starting to win this argument, and more and more people are coming around to the idea of building a tribe or a community online, mm-hmm. Start to see the words tribe, community, family, and people's 
language that they use, especially online. And I tell people all the time, if people knew just how supportive and encouraging and helpful the blogging and podcasting world is, everybody would have a blog or a podcast or both. For sure. Absolutely. I learned this lesson the hard way, kind of. I started a blog, and I was a younger guy, so give me a little bit of credit here. But I was like, I'm going to do it. I want my own blog. It's going to be mine. And realized real quick, I got that burnout, like you were talking about. I just kept on taking on more tasks, because everyone's like, do this, do that, do this. And I was like, all right, all right, I'll just do all those things. I can do them myself. Didn't subcontract anything out. I just did it all my own. And I got to the point where I started burning out. And then finally, somebody like a little bit older than me, a little more mature than me, was like, let me help you. I was like, okay. So I had like kind of a partner in there. And then I hit that point of burnout again saying, I think I'm done with this. And they're like, no, let's keep on pressing on. And thankfully that happened. And then I started realizing just the power of having a team with something. I still write with the same blog. There's now six people that run it and there's over a hundred authors on it. It's just so good to see the community of people. At one point I was like, I'm going to do all of that. I want to be all those hundred authors, the six staff members. <laughs> I want to be all those people, right? And it would have never yeah. gone anywhere. I was just hitting my head against the wall over and over again until I started opening up and making it about a team, making it about all of us. It doesn't even have my name on it anymore. I'm just one of the people that's part of the team helping run it. And it's been so much more fruitful. And for me personally, it's just helped me grow a lot and made me a lot more proud to see what's happened with it because it's not me anymore. It's all of us. And I love that. You know, and you went to something else there that I run into that's the next level. I like to call it the graduate level of asking for help. It's hard to ask for help. A lot of people can get to the point where they can ask for help. That's hard. But here's the graduate level is when you are willing to accept help that's offered that you don't believe you asked for. Ah. And the reason I'm bringing it up now is because it happened to you. Mm-hmm. Somebody come along and said, I want to help you. I'm assuming you didn't openly send that person an email or call them up on the phone and ask for their help. Right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That person saw you struggling or that person felt through the work you were doing that you were asking for help. You were either thinking it or praying about it or meditating on it, or possibly it was seeping into the text of your blog post. For people that are very intuitive, it can in very subtle ways. Mm -hmm. I have looked back at some of the people who come into my life who've helped me, and I've realized that there were things I was struggling with that I didn't realize I was voicing, but I was. Hmm. But you had to look really carefully at what I was saying. And then you had to go visit my website or visit something I had done and then look at that. There are some really intuitive people out there who will figure it out. There are lots of ways that people ask without voicing them verbally. And some people call it manifestation, law of attraction. But in those cases, something in you is sending out this feeling, this energy. You're doing something in your life that made these people think you needed help in a particular area. And they showed up and said, hey, I would like to help you. I think you need help. And you said yes. A lot of people will get nervous. They'll even freak out when somebody offers them something they didn't ask for. They'll be suspicious Mm -hmm. of it. They'll be like, what does he want to sell me because he's offering to help me? Right. How do I know this guy doesn't want the passwords to my website or the uh, account numbers to my bank? Because it's so foreign to us. It's something we're just not used to people coming along and wanting to help you for no good reason. Yeah. For me, though, it was mostly a pride issue. Like, that's yes. what I had to overcome. I was like, do I want this person's name on this? You know, there was nothing wrong with their name. They were a stand-up person. So no one else would look at it that way. But it was like a pride issue for me. I'm sorry, I have so little problem with ego anymore that I forgot pride is the big one. <laughs> right. uh, That's good. Keep on going that direction. No, nah, I have too little trouble with ego. You can get to the other end of the extreme in that issue. 
you can get to where you have too much humility for your own good. And I've sometimes been accused of not getting angry when I should or angrier than I did. I'm famous for writing emails that complain or point out problems that don't sound like I'm complaining. Okay. My dad was one of those guys. He was raised as a Southern gentleman. He's like, you know, Max, a real gentleman doesn't raise his voice or throw his fist. And so even when he would tell people, no, we're not coming back with the carnival next year, they would always say, thank you, Mr. Ivy, and hopefully you'll change your mind and we'll see you next year. It was kind of part of my raising. I just don't have a lot of ego, which may be why I wasn't more successful as a carnival owner. But that's one of those things that I'm sure a lot of people struggle with. But most people, you're right. It is ego. It's pride. It's how am I going to look if I let somebody help me? There again, you at least had the smarts when somebody come along and said they wanted to help you, you took it. A lot of people either wouldn't take it at all or they would postpone to the point where the offer got taken back Mm -hmm. or they would take so long to do it that they would waste all that time. Some people waste months before they'll accept that handout and allow that person to help them go farther in their business or their career or even their personal lives. Yeah. So asking for help, obviously, interdependence, big deal. What are some ways that we can, one, kind of weigh if it's a good offer? And then also, how do we properly ask for help? How do we kind of get to that point? But I've seen people abuse it for sure. Those are people that will ask everyone for something because they just don't want to do anything themselves. <laughs> <laughs> and again, that's not our listeners at all, but those people do exist. So if those yeah. people are reaching out, our audience is um, people that are going places. They know what they're doing. So they're going to be the people getting asked for help by the people that don't want to do anything, right? right. How, do you, how do you get through that? How do you have the uh, discernment, if you will, on both those fronts? All right. Well, when it comes to asking for help, generally, the best way to do it is from a point of complete honesty and humility. You basically say who you are, what you're trying to achieve or what you're struggling with. You acknowledge that the other person is the expert or has the skills or talents where they would know the answer or be able to help you in this area. And then you sincerely ask them for their help. But now here's the important part. When they say yes, and a lot of them will say yes, you have to show up and work your ass off to follow whatever advice, instructions, or support they gave you. Mm -hmm, That's right. That's the real-life form of gratitude. You show your appreciation for what they did, not by saying thank you in words, but by acting on the advice or information or help they gave you. I once got lucky enough to talk to a man named Rob White in a pre-interview, he said, you know, Max, if you're going to ask somebody who's rich and successful for help, you either got to be ready to write a big check or work your ass off. That's good. (laughs) Two extremes, but yes, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, that's generally how I approach it because I've never been one of these people who has the willingness to write a huge check to somebody else, but I will show up and work. And I actually prefer to work. I would rather do something that takes effort than do something I feel like is too easy. And I'm sure there are some people in the audience who have that problem, too. But that's not what we're talking about today. Right. On the other end, when people ask you for help, I think a lot of it depends on what kind of relationship do you have with them? Because I'm seeing more and more posts online now about people that are like, hey, I just met you on LinkedIn. You're already trying to sell me something. I just met you on Facebook. You're already wanting me to take your course. It's the old adage, you don't ask a girl to marry you on the first date. Mm -hmm. Too many people are asking for things, big things, without having any kind of a relationship with the person. So I would say the first thing is, do you know who the heck they are? Are you familiar with them either directly or through their online personality? 
Do you have some experience with them that makes you think they are the kind of person who's going to take action, work hard, show up? And then also, are they the kind of person who's going to help somebody else down the road when somebody else needs their help? And if you feel like this person is the kind of person who's really going to use what you have to offer, then I would say they're a good bet as far as accepting their request and providing them some sort of a service. There have been times in my life where I've asked for help and people have done it for free. But there have been other times where they have done it for less than what they charge, but they still charge me something because there is the belief in psychology that if you're not investing something, you're not going to use it. So some people have charged me a modest fee versus their usual fee. And some people have asked me to offer my services in exchange for what they're doing for me. So there are lots of ways to first figure out if it's somebody you want to help. And then just because you want to help them doesn't mean it has to be totally free. doesn't mean you have to charge them your full fee. It's up to you to decide how and in what form you're going to help them and what form of payment you want in return from them. Some people, payment may just be a really good testimonial, a blog post. Mm -hmm. It may be a certain number of shares on social media. It may be a check. It just depends. But I say the first thing is, do you know this person? How long have you known them? How do you know them before they ask? I actually think that's a good thing for anybody who's any of our community here that's actually creating a product or a brand or anything like that. You go back to that whole don't ask a girl to marry on the first date. A lot of us, we come up with a great idea for a company and we are just ready to get out there because truthfully, a lot of us know it's going to help. It's going to impact people positively. It's going to be good for them, but we skip the rest of it. So whether that girl you're going on a date with or not is going to be one that you could potentially marry down the line, right? You don't <laughs> say that on the first date. You kind of want to figure out, hey, is this a good relationship here? And I think a lot of us in today's world, we live in that now world where we just we want an instant gratification. So I think a lot of us have created our business models that way. So our call to action is like, hey, I just met you, buy my product. And that's it. We don't explain anything about it. Right. Well, the right answer there should be, hey, we just met you. My call to action is, please let me know how I can find out more about you or please let me know how I can help you. Exactly. Adding that value. That's something I really love about blogs. I know there's always this talk up and down. I feel like it's been happening forever. But people are like, oh, are blogs still a thing? And I think that they definitely are. But if you're adding value through a free resource like a blog and then you're asking people, hey, by the way, here's my product where you pay for this. They're a lot more interested in it because now they've seen something that, you know what, this person might be a good fit for me because this is something I really needed just in this blog post. Right. I couldn't agree with you more, which is why I love doing these interviews because when I do an interview, I get a chance to get to know the host. More and more, there are pre-interviews where you get to have conversations. Mm -hmm. You have a long talk about things that you're both interested and passionate about, and the audience can really get to know the guest as opposed to trying to get to know me from the words on the screen or from a short email when you've got a host that's asking you good questions and you've got an audience that's ready to listen and see what they can find in that time that they spend listening to you that will help them in their own lives, you're really going a long way towards that no like, trust thing that we're all trying to get to. The number of people creating brands is increasing more rapidly than ever before. Whether it's a personal brand, product, or service, more entrepreneurs are getting started today than any other time in history. Although these are exciting times, there is a problem. The problem is that most people don't know where to begin. And as a result, they end up wasting a lot of time and money on products and services that they just don't need. Wouldn't it be great to have a guide to help you save time and money instead of wasting it? Well, there is a solution for you. It's called the Creating a Brand Community. 
The Creating a Brand community is your digital mastermind or tribe. It's a network full of entrepreneurs devoted to helping each other succeed. We all help each other by sharing our experiences, recommendations, and discoveries along the way. As we like to say it, our goal is community collaboration focused on helping your brand succeed. The Creating a Brand community operates on our own social media platform. That's right, it's not another Facebook group. Our desktop site and mobile app feature online courses, focus groups, and topical discussion, along with live digital events and in-person events and exclusive content, all focused around the development and success of your brand. If this sounds like something you'd be interested in, please join at creatingabrand.com. It takes less than three minutes to get set up and become part of this community of successful entrepreneurs. When you join, please message me within the community, Alex Sanfilippo. I'd love to have a conversation with you and welcome you to our community. Max, I'd love to actually hear a story, an example of a time that you asked someone for help and where it kind of led to. I'd just like to hear the journey of these things because I know that for me, a simple ask has been some things that have led me to where I am today. I'd love to hear a story from you. When's the time that you asked for something and you asked properly and it really led you? Oh, you, you got an answer, I'm don't you? I'm laughing because the problem isn't a story, it's which story. The first one is, if anybody has been following my blog, they know that the woman who's edited my books is named Lorraine Regulis. She has a company called Wording Well. Really talented woman with a great story. A few years ago, I was commenting on Adrienne Smith's blog. At that time, she was known as the blog commenting superstar. Great woman. I refer to her as my blogging mama. I will always be indebted to that woman. I'm tearing up a little because she meant that much to my progress. But I want to talk about Lorraine because we were commenting on some of the same blogs. She visited my website and she noticed that the images I was using were ending up in the middle of the screen. They were blocking out my text and making it harder for people to read my post. First, she says she was just totally impressed that a blind guy would be trying to do a blog and doing it by himself and all that. But I was getting some help, just not a lot of help from family to do stuff like images. She noticed that that was happening. She reached out to me, said, Max, I know that this is happening. I don't know what program you're using or how you're creating your blogs or how you do any of this stuff for that matter. She said, but I would like to help you. So we got on a Skype call. She helped me go through the settings of Mars Edit, which is the program I use to create my blog. We played around with it. She was able to say, okay, Max, try this. And I'll look at the updated post. And we, through trial and error, we found out if we just changed the images to center justified that I never had that problem again. And she solved a huge problem. You know how people are. If they can't read stuff in the first, what, 30 seconds, 10 seconds, three seconds, whatever it is nowadays, mm-hmm. they will go somewhere else. I get a little bit of a break because I'm blind. So some people might have stayed a little longer. But when there's something wrong with your website, making it difficult for people to enjoy your content, they're not going to put up with that. This was a big change in my website and my blogging and my comments increased and the traffic to the blog increased. And that was a very small thing if you think about it, but it made a big impact. And it was from somebody who I didn't ask her. I didn't even know it was happening. I had no way of knowing it was happening. But she said, I noticed this is happening. She offered to help. I, I accepted her help. And that was a big deal for me. To show how this continues, later on, when it came time for me to publish my first book, who do you think I ended up hiring as my editor? So those are the kind of things that when you offer help, you never know where it's going to end up. These things you do for other people that you think are small, they're having big impacts on the other person. And who knows, at some point when they need something or when they're ready to hire somebody, they may go, I really like that person who helped me, and I'll ask them. And if they can do it, fine. If they can't. Well, maybe they know somebody who will, and maybe that somebody is an affiliate account for them. You just never know where all this stuff is going to lead. 
as far as one where I asked somebody, and this is another one where it's a kind of a to be continued because three years ago now, I asked Joe Pardo if I could come to his conference. At that point, I was not ready to speak at anybody's conference. I was not well known that anybody should book me. Yeah. I was basically reading my own headlines and thinking, well, I'm doing pretty good. I'm going to ask because my general decision is, should I ask? Should I not? Well, 95% of the time, it's going to be all oh, heck with it. I'm going to ask anyway. Yeah. That's just the way I do it. One of my other taglines is, just press send. Don't let fear keep you from your dreams. But the point of that is, is when I have that decision, I was like, well, do I send? Do I not? How the heck with it? So I wrote Joe Pardo. He hosted an event called DreamCon at the time. Sent him the email. He replies back. He said, well, there's really not time for you to come this year, but I host this show called Dreamers Podcast. Would you like to come on it? And so I did. Did the interview. A few months later, he's like, uh, Max, I'm doing a conference called the DreamCon. He said, I think you'd be perfect for it. Would you like to come? Very first speaking opportunity that I've had was May of 2017. I got on the train from Houston, went to Philadelphia, was there, had a great experience, gave a pretty good talk, got good response. Most people there were really impressed that a guy would be crazy enough to travel solo from Houston to Philadelphia and back blind. But that begins my relationship with Joe. Last year, he invites me to speak at MapCon. I go up there. I meet Chris Kremensis. Chris Kremensis invites me to PodFest. I tell him, hey, Chris, I can't afford to go to PodFest because I lost my butt in New York City last winter. The next thing I know, Himalaya is offering free tickets to PodFest. I submit my application to them, and they say yes. Then Chris is like, I can find your roommate. And then somebody put up my half of the room rent. Then I'm like, hey, uh, Chris, I'm coming. You don't suppose there's a way you could find so I could actually get to talk? And he's like, don't worry, I'll find a spot for you somewhere. And that's how I end up at the Pichicucha. This is a case where I asked Joe Pardo to be at a conference that I wasn't qualified for, but asked anyway three years ago. Mm-hmm. And here we are, DreamCon, MapCon, PodFest. And of course, me and Chris are, I would say, pretty good friends now as a result of that. Who knows what's going to happen with Chris? Who knows what's going to happen with Joe? And oh, by the way, who did I meet at PodFest? Let me think. You. Oh, man. Alex and now, Sanfilippo, one and only. Come on. Yes. So I meet Alex Sanfilippo at the PodFest, and he reaches out to me to have me on his show, which shows that he's a genius. <laughs> right. uh, Thank you. I still can't believe I made that much of an impression on people. It's one of those things that never gets old, and I hardly ever understand, but I'm thankful for it. I'm honored and blessed by it. So I meet you. You've asked me on your show. And oh, by the way, you have an online community that I hope that you will plug during this interview at some point. Mm-hmm. that I'm hoping to join and contribute to. And who knows who I'll meet in that group, or who knows what will happen once this interview goes live. Exactly. This all started with me asking a question I had no right to ask. Never be afraid to ask. because That's so it, good. Because if you don't ask, they can't say yes. If you don't ask, they won't say yes. And I think that's how I ended my Pichu Kucha talk. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And that's when I stood up and started clapping. (laughs) That's exactly how it went. Oh, it was you. It was you. Okay. I wasn't the only one. Don't act like there's only one. There was hundreds of people in the room. I'm not sure exactly how many. There was less than a thousand, but there was a lot and everyone was clapping. It wasn't just me. Yeah. Um, It was a great day. It was a great conference. You know how some people say you have setbacks that set you up for your comebacks. I gave a great talk in New York City last fall, but my experience there was not good because I got sick and I got broke. I ended up having to be helped to get back home. Actually, the people who helped me get back home, there were people I met online who I'd been building a relationship with for over a year. 
And I'm not going to mention any names because I don't want to get them inundated with requests for donations. But one of them bought me a hotel room in a very nice hotel, and one of them bought me a train ticket home. Oh, that's great. That was the very bad experience in New York. But the great experience at PodFest, which is why when they have that gratitude thing at the end of the week, even though it was my first PodFest, even though I really didn't feel like I had contributed a whole lot with just Pichu Kucha, I had to get up there and say some things just to show my appreciation because of how much better things had been since last year. I had to make some changes as far as the events that I agree to speak at, how I get there and things like that. The fact that PodFest was so good for me, so emotionally uplifting, encouraging, healing, I just had to do the gratitude session. And there's only been three times in the last five years that I've been truly moved by having the microphone in my hand. One was when I sang the river after DreamCon was over in 2017. The second was in January when I did a Bible reading in my church. And the third was the gratitude session. I was more affected by that part of the conference than I was Pichacucha. Wow. I love hearing the whole story of that. You mentioned Chris a couple times there. Chris is the CEO of PodFest. And actually, you know, just kind of keep my story brief about how an ask went a long way for me. I was not known by the community at PodFest at all. I'd never spoken, never met anyone on their team at all. And I know that hundreds and hundreds of people apply to speak at events like that. And I just happened to get the idea. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to reach out to a guy named PT. He's the CEO of FinCon. And I had spoken at his event last year. And I was just like, hey, do you know Chris? And he's like, yeah, I know Chris. I'm like, can you just put a recommendation for me? I'd like to speak there. And I don't have any credibility without that. He's like, sure. So I got the opportunity to speak there because I asked somebody. And Chris even told me, he's like, hey, PT said a lot of good things about you. Looking forward to hearing you talk. Same thing. If I would not have asked in that moment, I would have never gotten the opportunity, which means we wouldn't be doing this interview. So, and as you're saying, I'm a genius for having you on the show. So there we go. Yeah, that's the way it works is usually when you ask for something or you ask for help or you offer to give help, it's like throwing a stone in the pond. It's not going to stop with just that one event. It never does or it hardly ever does. Yeah, there's a quote that I love, and it's, you do not have because you do not ask. Oh, I love that. I love that. I'm going to have to find out who that's from. I think it might be from the Bible. I'll let you look around. Okay, let me look around. Okay. And, of course, part of that is because a lot of people who don't ask don't feel worthy. And one of the other Mm -hmm. things I like to make sure I cover is we all have a story to share. Nobody's story is better, more important, or more complete than anybody else's. We are all at different points in our journeys, different points in our stories. But please don't ever wait until you feel like your story is good enough to start sharing it. That's right. That's so good. Max, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. I appreciate the time. I've enjoyed it thoroughly. It seems like we've been here for five minutes, so I'm just shocked it's over. But thank you. And just one thing I like to make sure I say, I understand that you have a team behind you now, but for the most part, People who do podcasts and radio shows and YouTube channels, most of them are doing it because they have a passion for it. They don't expect to, nor will they most likely ever get rich, but they do it because they feel like they have an obligation. They feel like they need to help other people share their stories or help other people inspire people by giving them a platform. I just want to let you know how much I appreciate everything you and your partner and the people involved in creating a brand do to give people like me an opportunity to share my story and hopefully encourage a few people to take some action. Thanks, Max. It's such an encouragement. Well, thank you. You are right where you should be. 
Your story is not any more or less than anybody else's. Share where you are today because that's going to impact the world. What an encouraging conversation with Maxwell Ivey. We actually talked for another 25 minutes, and he's become a great friend in my life and a voice of reason and encouragement at times. He's such a positive person, and I absolutely love that about him because it's a rare thing in today's world. So a couple of the key takeaways I just want to mention again is don't be afraid to ask for help or to ask questions. So many of us want to pretend like we have all the answers or decide that we can find out on our own, but the truth is we are not doing ourselves any favors by not asking for help because we're not fooling anyone. None of us know everything. And the quicker we are to ask, the quicker we are to seek out advice and wisdom, the quicker we're building a mindset of interdependence versus independence. And we are always going to go further with interdependence. And I also want to mention that you do not have because you do not ask. Who knows what relationships you're missing out on by not asking for help or asking to be part of what somebody is doing or offering that help in advance. Again, you do not have because you do not ask Maxwell and I would not have gotten on this conversation if we did not take the time to get to know each other and ask the other person for help with whatever it is that we were working on that day. So if you want to learn more about Maxwell Ivy, you can go to theblindblogger.net or better yet, you can join the Creating a Brand community. Max is actually one of our most active members. He's a guy who really practices what he preaches. He is always on there helping people, adding value however he can. And in addition, he's actually offering mass discounts on all of his services to any Creating a Brand community members. He considers us to be his tribe, and I greatly appreciate that. And Max, again, thank you for being on this episode. If you're interested in show notes from today's episode, you can go to creatingabrandpodcast.com. Thank you as always for listening. I'll be back with you all next week.